0: Hello, and welcome back to the Pre-Shift Podcast presented by 7 Shifts. My name is DJ, and I'll be your host, bringing you stories, advice, and strategies from restaurant industry leaders. On this episode, we're joined by Chef Ron Sue.
1: Hey, my name is Ronald Sue. I own Lazy Betty, Jennifer Cafe, and Humble Pie in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am a chef by trade.
0: Now, Lazy Betty is a fine dining restaurant, and fine dining is at an interesting point right now. We've had shows like The Bear and movies like The Menu showcase the long hours and tough work environment that fine dining has required. And Noma, the many-time best restaurant in the world winner, is closing its doors, citing that it's just not sustainable to run any longer. So how do you do fine dining in a way that is sustainable for staff? Ronsu cites his years under Eric Repair, which showed him that it is possible.
1: So I started in Le Bernardin in a very special time. Um, You you know, Eric Repair and a lot of his upper management chefs were... Trained in the old school French way. And I'm mean, speaking of Eric Repair himself and Eric Giselle. Um And, you know, they, they, there were remnants of that old school French brigade system that was, you know, quote unquote, very military like. Um, and I was a part of that in my early tenure at Le Bernadin. But even from the, from my early stages in my career at Le Bernadin, they were, they were already transitioning. Eric Repair was very cognizant of, you know how to treat people. Um, he knew that that kind of style of cuisine was not sustainable, and it just wasn't um, the way he wanted to run his business. And you know, he's a firm believer in happy cooks make happy food, um, and can also happen can also result in happy customers, right? And so I was I was there. Yeah, I was part of this very um, strict environment at Le Bernardin. Um, you know where every aspect of your work was was under review. Um, one of my favorite stories that I like to tell my current staff is that one time I was put on a station and I was tasked with doing something I had never done before, and this was turning artichokes and I had to turn a, two cases of artichokes a day um, and i 've never done it and you know, it was quite daunting. I was, I've never done it. I only had a couple hours to get my work on, on top of the artichokes done, not just artichokes, but I had to figure out how to do these two cases a day, plus my other 30 other prep items. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to come in a couple hours early off the clock and do it, um, y- you know, until I get good. And I did that. And then the the old executive chef, he's not there anymore, saw me early one day and was like, what are you doing here, Ron? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not good at doing these artichokes and I just wanted to come and give myself extra time to make sure they're good and whatnot. And he goes, well, I need you to pack up your knives and go home and come back at your end time. And his, and the way he, and I was like, why? You know, it's off the clock. I'm, you know, like, I, I want to learn. I don't, you know, I want to make sure my product is good. And he goes, well, you know, my grandmother can cook at any pace. If, 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 if my, you know, if an amateur wants to make beautiful artichokes they can do it um but what separates us is that we do it in, in a certain amount of time and we get it done quick um and you have to learn how to deal with that pressure and he was like go home and do it and so i did and you know i i ended up learning how to turn beautiful artichokes very very fast um and you know i don't think that was necessarily necessarily like a bad thing for me and he was right you know that's what makes us different um From professionals and 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 home cooks is that you can do the job better, faster than an untrained professional. So, you know that was one lesson um, I really appreciated. Um, You know, not not only did it teach me the actual trade or the craft, it taught me the 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 ambiance or not the ambiance the. It taught me how to deal with pressure. Right. it taught me, hey, work with a sense of urgency. Um, you got you to gotta be able to rise to the occasion. And, and, and yeah, they're, they're very high expectations set, and you got to do what you can to meet them. Um, and I learned how to deal with a lot of pressure there. And, and that was just one, one incidence that taught me those lessons.
0: That same culture of excellence is at the core of Lazy Betty, as is a great staff experience. It's a balancing act, but one that Sue and his team are able to walk.
1: We try to give them a good work-life balance. Um, obviously, there are times that there is the, the work itself does require more time, um, and they're willing to do it. you know we try to find like-minded people, we try to set the goal in front of everyone. Um, and that goal is very simple for us is be the best restaurant in Elena and you, you know. Um, and try to be perfect, I, you know, and per- perfection isn't, isn't really ever, it may be the goal, but it's, n- it's never something you can really attain, but it's the goal you work for. And, and that's just more about setting the culture of how you want to work and what kind of goal you want to achieve. And, and it's about setting those goals and getting like-minded people to, to move in that direction. Um, y- you know, there's definitely a, a set amount of pressure and expectation, um, but people, people like that. You have to challenge staff to, to hit certain goals. Otherwise, what's, what are they there for? You know, if you don't have benchmarks, if you don't have goals in, 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 the, in the way you put the work out there. You know, first and foremost, restaurants are people business. And for you to be able to navigate each scenario, you have to know who you're dealing with, right? Right. Um, some people may be living paycheck to paycheck, so for them to, you know, ask for a dollar more or two dollars more or more hours or, you know, a higher paying position, um, you you know, it, you have to understand where they're coming from, their point of view. Um, you know, other people could just be like, "Hey, I came in with as a sous chef on my resume. I should be the one doing the sauces already." And it's like, well that that's just coming from a sense of entitlement, right? Whereas if somebody else is like, Hey, I've shown you from day one that I can do every station you put in front of me. I come to work ready to go early. Um I always get my work done. And that that, that kind of reasoning is coming from a, a place of earning it. And and you have to know where your staff's coming from. Um and that and that comes not from, you know, a P&L. You just have to talk to your guys and get to know them and understand where they're coming from. And that's how you can create a good work culture and incentivize people the, the right way and give them what they need.
0: Like Le Bernadette, that excellence attracts like-minded people to work at Lazy Betty.
1: We've had many people that have been at Lazy Betty now for two and a half to three years, um, you know, my, my chef to cuisine, Austin, has been with us since day one. He's still there. You know, me and my, my chef partner, Aaron, are still bit, still very heavily involved. So, you know, we, we've, we were lucky to be able to create something special there and lock, and still have staff from pre-pandemic there. And when you have such a strong core, it, the culture just stayed, it stays and you can build on the culture.
0: What makes walking that tightrope possible is the strong culture that Ron and his team have built over the years at Lazy Betty, and one that they're starting to build at their new restaurant, Humble Pie.
1: I mean, you got to know what you want to do. You got to make sure the decisions you make are based on values. Um, y- you know, we we use the word the, the the acronym SPASTIC to kind of remind all our team what our values are, um, and you got to you got to you know, and those values can change based on the business and the staff, but you got to make sure you establish them and then you're making decisions based on those values and not, you know, last minute wins or whatnot. Um, you know, and then you got to, and, and if you can establish, and if you have, you know, I always, I've had this conversation with my, my, with my father-in-law and my wife about why are some countries so well off and some other countries are not. And, you know, one thing that we all kind of agreed upon was the first head of state was probably very good. And, you know, and I, would, and I kind of like to think Lazy Betty, when we first opened, we had a very strong leadership team. Um, you know, you had me and my chef partner, Aaron, who are both capable of executive chefs in one kitchen. We had um, our other chef, Austin, um, who was our opening sous chef, but very talented, but shared the same vision and goals as Aaron and I. Um, and then even on the wait staff, we had multiple ex-general managers on our staff. We, you know, our service director, whose name is Rudy, he's like the epitome of hospitality. He knows the ins and outs of service. Um, You know, we brought him into Humble Pie during our friends and family, and he purposely would drop napkins on the floor to see how and which staff would come up, pick it up. And not only that, he would see how, what the staff would do with that napkin. Did they give it back? Did they bring a new one? Um, which obviously is what you need to do. You'd bring a new one, but then it's also, how did the the person bring the new one? Was it folded a certain way or was it just kind of thrown on the table? You, you know, and we had him there and he wasn't even our management, right? He, and so, you know, we were, we were, we were quite fortuitous, um, but we also had very lofty goals and that, that attracts certain type of people. Um, right. So, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta do the best you can, um. But it's like, it's kind of like that with the natural, if you build it, they will come. And that's kind of what we did, you know? Um, So we were very lucky to find very good people on our team.
0: I'll let Ron tell you what SPASTIC stands for.
1: So the first S is solution oriented, followed by people first, then accountability, standard of quality, teamwork, impact over income and communication. Um, You know, and we try to operate and make decisions using that as our kind of compass. I think the one value there that really has probably made the most uh, impact would be the impact over income one. Um, So, and I think that one also resonates with a lot of our staff the most. Was there a particular instance uh, that that you can recall, or um, is it more just general? No, it's just been a a lot of in, a lot of times. You, you know, where the, when we were like, "Well, this might make us more money," or that, or you know, like we were like, "Well, it's not about money. Let's," you, you know, "it's it's about impact. Like income income is packed or is capped, right? There's only so much amount of money a restaurant can make." Um, but the amount of impact you can make, and this goes for any industry, if you, if you make the right decisions, you work with the right people, your impact can be un- unlimited.
0: Now, it's a lot easier to focus on people over profit when an employee's take-home pay isn't relying on tips and at the mercy of the guest.
1: Our decision to do the service charge was... Um, I can't really. Re- I don't really recall how I came across that. I think it was, you, you know, I was developing the business plan, writing the pro forma, seeing how the financials worked, and I was kind of doing a for a financial forecast of how everyone would, would get paid and how much money so and so would make. And I was, I always came back to like. Why is it so imbalanced all the time? You know, like if we're charging, I think we opened up the with the menu at $125 f- four years ago. Um, or yeah, five years ago when we started doing the pop-ups. And then we, we were like, all right, everyone's tipping 20% on top of that. And then it was like, man, these servers came in and only worked four and a half hours where my guy started work yesterday. <laughs> and like, you, you, or my my chefs. and I'm And I was always just like, that doesn't seem right to me, especially because we're a prefix menu. So the menu's already being sold. Like, people are committing to the food before they even step into the restaurant. They know they don't have a choice. Um, and so there's less burden or less responsibility on the server to have to sell. Um, and we we're like, well, we think they should get a portion of that tip um, or that service charge. At that time, I don't know what what word I was using, but essentially the extra money, right? Right. Um, and and you know and I was from New York. I was there when ta- um, Danny Meyer tried to institute it um, at all his restaurants, and he even he had his his troubles with it. Um, and so I just kind of dug around. I read more on the, the 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 labor laws in Georgia and what worked and what didn't. And I was like, we're gonna do it, and I and I did it. Uh, it wasn't easy. Um, There's was a lot of of our. Of our guests didn't like it. Um, I mean, if you scan, if you skim back and look at our online reviews for the first year or two, I, I mean, I would say probably anything that was a negative review um, probably commented about that service charge. Um, and then we even had staff um, not like it. You know, it was such a unique model; they weren't sure like how to uh, how to verbalize it to staff. You know or not to stop. They didn't know how to verbalize it to guests. Um, one, one challenge for us was, hey, you have to tell customers that the service is included and not tip. And a lot of the pushback was, well, why would I tell customers not to tip? <laughs> and they're like, why are you camping how much money we make? And we were like, well, if you're, and this was four and a half year, or five years ago, almost five years ago. Like, well, if you're already making a 20% tip, that's pretty good already. Um, and if you don't tell them, you're going to burn their goodwill and their trust and they won't come back and you're going to, it's going to shoot you in the foot later down the road. You're, you're, you're selling the short term for the long term here. Um But you know, that was, that wasn't the, that wasn't the majority of our stuff. That was quite honestly the minority. Um And as we operated, people liked their, how much money they were making. And as we adjusted it and evolved it, we were able to, and as we added, um, you know, we ended up adding some supplements to the menu that weren't standard on the menu. We were like, well, if you guys sell this, then you guys can get the majority of that service charge, right? Such as caviar or truffles and other, other supplements. Because um, that, that was really up to them to, to try to sell. Hey, can you get them to sh- shave two grams of truffles on their steak dish or add some foie gras to their menu or whatever it was, right? Um, and so that, that kind of helped alle- uh, alleviate that kind of issue. Um, and then, and then we also started giving the wait staff um, and I, th- and yeah, I think we gave, I think we do, I got a, I don't know the exact numbers. It's, it's either the vast majority or all of the service charge from beverage sales. Um, and so once we did all that, it kind of, they, they, they liked it. Um, it gave them the opportunity to make a little bit more money, but essentially it's almost like a profit sharing because the more they get, you know, the more money they make. Um. and 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 they like it um but i think the hardest part was communication and education for for our staff if you know because it's such a different model it was hard to get a lot of data and because we were new we didn't really know the level of business um but now we can kind of predict to a fairly fairly accurate forecast like how much money we're going to bring in and hey if you can sell this much this is how much you're going to make um and then staff, you know, new staff anyways is like, oh yeah, that, that that sounds good. But before we had all that data and the, the, you know, the, the liberty of, or the, the advantage of, of data, we, it was kind of a crap. Um, So, but you know, we, but anything hard, anything new like that, man, it takes time. It's not anything that you're just going to be able to achieve overnight. It's, it li- it was literally like every night we had issues or every week we had issues of the service charge. And it was a lot of tweaking, changing. At first, at one point, you know, some staff was like, well, we don't know how much we're actually going to make. We don't know if it's being distributed evenly. And then we were like, all right, we'll put it on, um, we'll put it on especially and everyone can look, <laughs> you know, and then that opened up a whole nother can of worms. and We're like, all right, we are not doing that again. Um, you know, um, because people would be like, why, you know, and, and it was a, it was it's, it's some, it was a service charge, but it was pooled, So it wasn't like per section. Um, and then, you know, so it, it was a lot of a lot of things. Um, but we, we have found the balance uh, and of what works for us now.
0: Pandemic has raised awareness of how tough it is to work in restaurants, which has made things like the service charge more palatable for diners.
1: One good thing that I think the pandemic did do was raise everyone's awareness about the financials of a restaurant, Um, you you know, because a lot of restaurants during this time would pivot and change their wage models. And after the pandemic, I would say before the pandemic, Lazy Betty was maybe one in three or four restaurants that was doing it in all of Atlanta after the pandemic. I would say maybe one in 15 restaurants were doing it, maybe one in 10 even. Um, and I've seen a lot of restaurants flip-flop back and forth. Um, and they're probably having the same challenges that I did and was like, you know what, let's just go back to the model. Um, and, you know, I had the same issues at Juniper Cafe, which is, you know, it's it, uh, the wholesale portion of Juniper still operates, but the restaurant, we're going to do something else. But it was very hard at Juniper Cafe um, because it was, a, it was a lower price point. Um, the staff just wasn't as polished as Lazy Betty staff. Um, and so it was much harder to communicate and to resonate and get people to understand, Hey, like tell customers services included. Don't try to get an extra tip on it. Cause once they go home and look at their credit card slip and realize they already paid for the service and then they left another 20%, they're not going to come back. And that happened a lot. Um, you know, so we, so when we opened up humble pie, we learned from that lesson. And now we just, you know, we give, we give our kitchen guys, Three point one four percent of all our food sales, and the service staff at Humble Pie gets to keep the entire tip. Um, but we don't do a service charge. Um, but, so, and we also do it slightly different. You know, at Lazy Betty, it's included in the price. Um, at Juniper Cafe, we added twenty percent to the end of it, and we found that people did not like adding having a fee added to it. Um, whereas at Humble Pie, we include. Um, the price of that 3.14 in all our pricing it's baked in instead of added at the end of the meal.
0: Now, for operators who are curious about doing this at their establishments, Ron has a few thoughts.
1: There's a bunch of states in the U.S. where the minimum wage is $15 an hour and they cannot do the sub credit or the, the sub tip credit um, minimum wage, right, the sub minimum wage. Um, and one one easy solution is doing a service charge, because if you make it a mandatory charge, you as a business can dictate how what you do with that money. Now, you cannot claim the, the tip credit, and you have to pay everyone the minimum wage. Um, and hopefully, if you're a, an honest um, restaurant operator, you are giving what's due to the staff or to your employees from that service charge. And so, you, you know, I think that number... Uh, it's only going to go up in terms of how many states increase the minimum wage to $15. If I'm not mistaken, there's already a lot of lobbying or policy discussion in D.C. about raising the minimum wage across the entire United States. Um, I sit on the um, steering committee of um, of Raise High Road, and I know there's a lot of people um, lobbying for that or speaking with politicians on that, and it's only getting more and more traction. Um, so I think sooner or later, people are, it's going to get, it's going to be, um, it's going to be irrelevant sooner or later, in my opinion. And, you know, you can be ahead of the curve or just wait for the laws to change. Um, um but for people that want to do it, I think it works. I think it helps promote, uh, a better team culture. If you're, if you're pulling, um, the service church together and being able to split amongst the front of the house and back of the house. Um, that's one thing we, r- we really pride on ourselves at Lazy Betty is that, I mean, they're still in front of the house and they're still back of the house. But we do work a lot together. And we always say now nah, we try to be one house when we can, you know, as much as we can. And I think that service search does help reinforce that. It also gives you more leeway, at least in the state of Georgia, um, and how you manage your, your, your service staff. Um, if you claim the TIP credit, then I believe, A certain percentage of someone's work has to be customer facing, which really handicaps you or handcuffs you as an operator on what your servers do. We're at Lazy Betty. You know, there was a time Lazy Betty staff or the servers were helping us trim our micro herbs every day. They hated it, but they did it. Um, You know, so it does give you flexibility as a as a restaurant operator. Um, It ain't easy, um, but I do think the future is going to be something like that—a service charge. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta really communicate and educate your staff. If you're, if you have the luxury of being in operations before and you can kind of gauge how much money or sales you're going to bring in, then it's just about, Hey, bring in your guys in and be like, Hey, this is how much you're going to make. Um, and and the best thing is people that the staff that relies, (laughs) excuse me, the staff that relies on that tip. Is kind of also at the mercy of the guests' you know, emo- uh, sentiments at that time. You, you could offer the best service in the world, but if there's a hair in someone's food, they they, they may very well tip zero, um, and the server had nothing to do with that. It was because you know an eyelash fell from the chef in the kitchen or whatever, um, or if someone got if someone had a breakup at Lazy Betty, it was an anniversary, and instead they broke up at the dinner table, someone stormed out, that person's probably not going to leave a good tip, right? Like, because their night got ruined, it had nothing to do with the food or the service. So it guarantees staff that they're going to make money. Um, you know, it, it it gives, it's a security blanket. Um, but that being said, because it's not at the behest of the guest, you have to be able to offer a good product. Um, but that's all. that's all part of that, hey, you got to, you got to challenge your guys, set the goal and and set the expectation and, you know, push your guys to meet that goal.
0: Thank you for joining us for the pre-shift podcast presented by Seven Shifts. Be sure to follow us on social media for new episodes and bonus content. And as always, my inbox is open, dj at sevenshifts.com. Let me know what you think of the show, who you want to hear, or just say hello. We'll see you next time.